it is hot. It is hot in this part of the world. Uh, in fact, uh, this, this last week, uh, I got into my car, and even though it's a little bit of an older car, it still has the leather seats, and uh, I was wearing shorts, and it had been since I was in Arizona that I sat down, and it didn't take long for me to yell, uh, as I still believe I have some burn marks you know, on the back of my legs. I'm like, that is hot. In fact, uh, it's so hot, uh, the cookie dough I bought actually turned into cookies you know, um, on the way home. Uh, it's so hot uh, uh, outside that the ice cream man just changed the sign on his van just to say cream. You know, no more ice cream. Oh, yeah, I got one more. Uh, it's so hot, I saw a bee take off its yellow jacket. <laughs> you are welcome. I will be here, you know, for you. It is so hot. So speaking of heat, uh, welcome to our new series called Yield, which is going to bring up the temperature, you know, in our lives just a little bit. We're going to have to wrestle, you know, with some things over these next, you know, four weeks. And uh, I just want to come out, you know, and just be able to be really, really clear and let you know that if you're a follower of Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian, this series is specifically targeted to you and to me. And so we're going to wrestle with some things. Now, if you're not a Christian, if you're thinking about what this Christianity thing is, if you got invited by somebody else, this is actually a perfect series to come to for two reasons. One is that uh, you get to watch the person who brought you squirm a little bit, you know, as we walk through this series. And secondly, and maybe more importantly, you get to actually sit back as we kind of, you know, pull back the curtain and you get to see what is Christianity supposed to be about. And you can help decide for yourself by the end of our time today or the end of the series, is this something that I want to commit my life to? And so it's actually a great series if you're not a follower of Christ. And so uh, if you have somebody in your life, I want to encourage you who's not yet a follower of Christ to invite them as we go through this series called Yield. Now, one last thing before we jump in is I want to remind you that today is uh, DNA. Today is DNA. It's one to three. It's here. We've got already 30 people signed up. So you're not going to be alone, you know, uh, with that. Uh, the purpose of DNA is if you've been coming to our church for a little while and you're like, hey, I want to make this my church home. Uh, there is a big difference between attending a church and being a part of a church family. It really is a big difference. And we cut it down by an hour, you know, because we think there's uh, ways to get you in and out through this processing and through this opportunity. Second thing is that you're going to be able to leave knowing where you're at in your relationship with Christ and where God may be calling you to go and grow, you know, in this next season. So I want to encourage you to come. Uh, another reason is because unless you're going to Lake, it's too hot to do anything else anyway. So come on, you know, just be a part, you know, I'd love to see you there. You don't have to sign up, just show up and I'll see you at one o'clock. Now, as a kickoff today, uh, most of us, let's be honest, we do not like to yield to other people, okay? We do not like to yield. We want to lead. We want to be in control. We want others. And let's be honest, even at times, we want God to yield to us and our thoughts and ideas. Yet, if you're actually literally driving a car and you fail to yield the right-of-way, this is what's going to happen. Go ahead and watch the screen now. I like the sigh at the end. And it gets that. Now, and again, you can believe that you're right. You can feel like you were in the right of way, but if you don't yield the right of way when it's not your right of way and you get in the accident, it doesn't matter what you believe or what you feel, you're going to be in the wrong. And it's the same when it comes to our lives. 
When it comes to our real lives, we have life accidents. And oftentimes, if we were to step back and say, why am I going through this pain? Why am I going through this difficulty? Could it be that we didn't yield to God's will and design for our lives and we find ourselves in a life crash and then usually we say, God, why did you let this happen? And God's like, I didn't let this happen, but I did love, I do love you enough that I can actually help you in and through and give you grace and purpose and meaning even though you're actually the one that caused this accident. And so when it comes to yield, another way to say the word yield is our, our favorite word, especially as Americans, it's the word Submit. And when I say the word submit, everybody has all of these thoughts and ideas and all of these negative things when it comes to submit. But let me just be clear. Submit, submission is not, it's not slavery, coercion, manipulation, intimidation, misguidance, or suppression. Let me say it again. Submission is not slavery, coercion, manipulation, intimidation, misguidance, or suppression. To submit literally means to surrender. Don't miss this to willingly yield ourselves underneath the power of another to give up resistance. So you are not forced to submit at all. Submission is not a forced thing. It's saying, I'm going to willingly yield myself underneath the authority of another, or as in this case, we're going to be talking about God. Now, submission isn't hard, as long as we agree with the decision of the leader right? It's not hard at all. You know, as long as, as, long as uh, I can submit to the government, as long as I agree with what the government's doing. Uh, I can submit to my teachers and my coaches, you know, and the pastors and the leaders in my life, as long as I agree with what it is they're saying. I could submit to my boss. I can submit to my parents. I could submit to somebody, as long as I agree. The challenge of submission is when it is not an ethical or moral thing, but it's a preference thing, and we would rather do it a different way, or we have a better idea in mind, or we don't like how things are going, for us to say, you know what, I'm going to willingly choose to place myself underneath this person, even if I disagree with them, or I'm going to choose what God has to say, even though I might feel or think differently, that is where submission has its greatest power and influence in our lives. Is it getting hot in here yet? We're just starting. So let me, speaking of driving, by the way, um, uh, how many of you guys, like me, I hate being cut off. How many of you guys hate being cut off when it's driving? Okay, it drives me nuts, you know, when cut off. Now, I can give some grace, you know, to people when I know they obviously didn't see me. You know, it was an innocent, ignorant, you know, kind of, I just jumped in front. Okay, beep, beep. Okay, I'm sorry. They wave out the window. What I can't stand is when you lock eyes with someone and they do it anyway. And so this happened this week. I'm coming down 41 in Post Falls, and there is a cement truck that is at a stop sign. And we lock eyes. I'm talking about almost too long where it started to get weird. You know, so we're locking eyes with one another, and he literally comes out because he knows he's bigger than me, and his damage is going to be nothing compared to mine. He just pulls right out in front of me, and I can just feel him laughing in his truck as he comes in front of me. So I lay on my horn, and I slam on my brakes, and I am ticked. You think you're better than me? You think you're bigger and that you have the right of way. You didn't have the right of way. You're in the wrong. So I pull up next to him and I honk again. And so then he gets on the freeway. I get on the freeway too. And I honk a third time just to make sure he knew he was in the wrong. 
You know, so uh, uh, by the way, if we're talking about confession, you know, this week, um, I need to confess to you, and it doesn't happen very often, but every once in a while, if I am really, really, really mad, you know, and somebody does something just idiotic or I feel unsafe because they do, every once in a while, I'll pull next to them and I give them the bird, you know, so I just, I just want to be honest with you and before God, and some of you guys are clapping, that's weird, you know, uh, let's not do that. So let me explain myself for just a second, you know, because when I'm really angry, I need to lower the temperature, and they've done something, obviously, as a, it's just awful, or I'm just not in a good space, and I'll pull up next to them, and they'll just glance over to me, and they glance over right at me, and I just look at them, and I go, <laughs> and they look at me, and they don't know what just happened, then they get it, then they start laughing, and then I start laughing, and everybody's temperature just kind of goes down. What kind of bird were you thinking about? What's, what's wrong with you guys, you know? Gee whiz. You guys are, some of you guys are like, that's my pastor. You know, I love him. You know? like, come on, people, we got to have some standards here. <laughs> you guys are never going to forget that, by the way. So what is submission when it comes to driving? <laughs> like some of you guys are explaining it to other people now. It's my favorite. You're like, this is the bird also, you know. Um, so what is submission? Submission when it comes to driving is if I have the right of way and I'm on the freeway or something else and I'm actually ahead of the person that I intentionally slow down, even though it might cost me five seconds longer to get wherever I'm going, and I allow somebody to actually get into my lane. I am submitting in a very small way to them, you know, and it goes well for both of us when it comes to this idea of submission. Okay, so now it's time to raise the temperature in our lives just a little bit more. If you're a follower of Jesus, again, it says, Jesus says to the crowds, if any of you wants to be my follower, so if you're willingly gonna place yourself underneath me and my leadership, you must, this is not optional, give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Think about what Jesus is saying. If you say today, as I do as well, that you're a Christian, that you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus says if that's true in your life, then you need to willingly submit yourself by not prioritizing your wants, your will, and your way, but by following his wants, his will, and his way for your life. And in case you didn't get it the first time, he uses this picture to take up our crosses daily. Okay, I know we have, you know, uh, jewelry with crosses on it, and we, we adorn our houses sometimes with crosses, but cross literally means you have to die to yourself. So he's saying the same thing twice in case we missed it the first time. You have to say, it's not about me, it's about he. And I'm going to willingly, not because I'm forced, because he's not making any of us be followers of him, but I'm going to willingly submit myself underneath Jesus' reign and rule. See, Jesus calls every follower to submit to him in everything. And it hit me this week for the first time as I prepared this message. It's actually not a submission issue. It's a trust issue. See, submission only is an action that actually comes out out of an understanding of trust. See, if you trust someone, you and I are more readily willing to submit even if we disagree. If we trust that God is good, if we trust that even though we can't see it, that his plans, 
that his purposes are good, even though we might feel differently, even though we might think differently, we can willingly say, you know what? I don't agree, I don't like it, and I don't feel it, but I'm gonna submit. I'm gonna allow you to lead. Why? Because I can trust you. So the question is not submission. The question is, do you trust God and his will for our lives? And again, it's willingly, not forced, but willingly willing to follow him. And it's easy to say, I trust you, God, with things like, let's just give a couple examples. God, I trust you. You are a good God when it comes to my resources. Until it's actually time to start giving. Then you're all of a sudden like, oh, now it's a little bit of a struggle. And then what happens when God has called me to give and then, and then I have some other things going on in my life, but I still know that God's calling me to give and then it really becomes the rubber meets the road. Will I actually trust in God when it comes to this? What about our futures? Right? It's just like, God, I want your will and your way, but hold on, God, I've already planned out the rest of my life, and I want you to bless it. Like, when you want you to bless my life? Or, or is he asking us to come underneath him and say, you know what, you might have plans, you might have thoughts and ideas in your life, but I'm going to be willing to trust in him. That's harder. See, we trust God every time we choose God's will and his ways above our own. That's when we're choosing to trust. Again, it's easy to trust his will and his ways when we agree. It's a lot harder when we are disagreeing based on how we feel or how we think. Now, why does he ask us to do this? You know, why does he ask us to trust in him and to submit to him? And I want to give you a couple reasons that may make it a lot easier. So submission doesn't feel like a heavy word, but actually feels like an honoring word. Like, for example, uh, when's the last time that you remember that someone went out of their way just to love and serve you? Maybe you were in a difficult time. Maybe you were in a challenging season and, and someone said, you know what, uh, I'm going to leave whatever I'm going to do in order to love on you or to love on me. Now, when that happened in your life and that person who did that for you, you found out that they were in need, how did you respond? Most of us couldn't wait for the opportunity. And we're like, oh my gosh, this person has loved me so much and was so significant and I just found out they're going through a difficult time. I'm gonna leave my plans, my time, and I might even leave some of my resources in order to actually help them. And it doesn't feel like a burden, does it? It feels like an honor because they love me. I actually get to love them back. Not I have to, but I get to. It's the same when it comes to Jesus Christ. How often do we forget what Jesus has actually done for us? You know, that, that it's just so easy to just be like, oh yeah, I accepted Jesus. And he went to the cross and we talk about it on a regular basis. We take communion on a regular basis as a reminder of the fact of where we were and what Jesus did for us. And so when Jesus asks us, if this is what I've done for you and you've received this in your, li in your life, can you then submit yourself to me? All of a sudden it becomes easier and easier as a get to instead of a have to because we remember what he's done for us. That would be the first way. See, the second thing is, do you know who lived a completely submissive life to God and trusted him completely? It's actually Jesus. Jesus only asks us to do what he modeled for us to do. So he's not asking us to do anything that he didn't actually have to do himself. Did he agree? And did he feel like doing everything God asked him to do? No. In fact, you might recall that the night before he's gonna go to the cross, Okay, he's going to be brutally murdered and he's going to hang on the cross for you and for me. He has a conversation with God and here's how it goes. 
He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Do you think Jesus feels like doing what God is asking him to do for the sake of others? Humanly, no. He does not. He's anguished. He's grieving to the point of death. And then he goes on a little further. He falls to his knees and he says, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. So he's saying, if there's any other way, I don't want to do this. This is what he's saying. I don't want to go to this direction. But then he says these powerful words, yet I want your will and not mine. Your will and not mine. What's his will? Not to go to the cross. What's God's will? Go to the cross. And he has to wrestle with how he's feeling. And then he submits his feeling and trusts it to God, even though he knows it's going to cause him pain and suffering because it's for God's glory and for our behalf. The reason that's important for us to know, guys, is because Jesus relates to when we struggle with what God is asking us to do and how we feel or what we believe. You see, today, and it's just like with every generation, but I come across many Christians who are like, well, I feel like God wants me to be happy, so I'm going to make a decision that makes me happy, even though I read according to his will, that he doesn't actually want me to do that, but I feel like doing it because I think it's going to make me happy, and I do it along those lines. And this is from Christian people, by the way. And, and, and I've done this as well, even in my own life. I kind of justify, rationalize, and explain because I'm supposed to be happy, and yet I read it in the Bible. There's nowhere in the Bible it says for us that God's will for us is to be happy. His will for us is to be joyful in all circumstances. His will for us is to find significance and meaning and abundant life. Absolutely. But that's an American mindset. And haven't we seen the American experiment over the last couple of years that the sole purpose of happiness actually doesn't lead to happiness? It leads to a place of misery for most of us if our sole pursuit in life is to try to make us happy. Even worse, you know, uh, I have pastor friends and churches that look to the culture to see what is right instead of what God knows is right, even because, because they feel differently. Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross. He didn't want to do that. So why does God want us to submit? Because what Christ has done for us, because Jesus modeled it for us, and third, for God's glory, for his purposes, and for our benefit. In fact, uh, one of the first verses that I memorized in the Bible, uh, besides Jesus wept. I mean, you got to have a win, you know, when you're young. Jesus wept. Good job, Danny. You know, that's, that's you call me a little. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Okay? So trust God with your feelings, with your passion, and lean not on your own understanding. So you might think differently. You might feel differently. Don't trust either of those things. Trust first God. In all your ways, notice what it says, submit to him and he will make your path straight. That's the promise. He wants to lead. He wants to guide. He wants to show you the life that he's intended for us to live. But our challenge is that we usually defer to our wisdom and our understanding. He's asking us to submit every part of our lives, our bodies, our sexuality, our goals, our dreams, our relationships, our futures, our businesses, our you fill in the blank and say, God, not my will, but yours be done. 
Now again, I have to listen to this message four times, just so you know. So this is not pleasant for me either. Now, why is this important? Could it be that God actually knows what's better for you than you? Could it be that God actually knows what's best for your life more than what you think is best for your life? In fact, uh, I've been going through the book of Genesis in our morning devotionals. 8.30 every morning on Facebook. We're trying to go book by book, you know, verse by verse in the Bible. In case you want to jump on, it's, it's every, every, every day, Monday to Friday. And so uh, we've been going through the book of Genesis. One of the stars in the book of Genesis is a guy named the name of Abraham. But he didn't start as Abraham, he started as Abram. And God comes to him in Genesis, I believe it's chapter 11. And he says, all right, Abram, I'm calling you. And he's like, oh my gosh, God came to him and is calling him. So he's got to willingly decide, am I going to submit to God calling me? And he goes, this is what I'm calling you to do. I'm calling you to a land I'm going to show you. I'm calling you to leave your relatives, to leave your family members, take your immediate family with you, and I'm going to show you the land I'm going to go. And when we go there, I said, I'm going to make your name great. and I'm going to have your descendants be as numerous as the stars. And he goes through all of these promises, which sounds great to Abram. Now, if God were to do that to me today, or dare I say to you today, we would have a few questions before we would say yes to God and his leading in our lives. As Americans, one of the first questions we would ask is, uh, God, where are we going? That's not what he tells Abram. He says, I'm going to go to a land I'm going to show you, but I need to know, God, I got my GPS, I got my phone, I, got everything. I need to know first before I can make a decision. Secondly, God, is it safe? You know, is it safe for me to go? You know, probably not, you know, but I'm going to be with you, but you're going to go through some challenges. But God, if it's not safe, and, and God, uh, do I have the right clothes? Uh, do I have the financial means, you know, to actually make this completely different change in my life than the trajectory I was on? I'm actually having a good gig going on here, God, and so I don't want to have to leave that to follow you. And so many of us would be like, nope, God's not calling. Or nope, I'm not following. Now, Abram is better than you and I, when it comes to some of these, you know, questions and things, except he's not perfect, like none of us are. So Abram, notice this, he did everything God asked him to do, except for one thing. He took his nephew Lot with him. God said, leave your relatives, and he took Lot with him, directly disobedient to what God was asking him to do. Now, why is that a big deal? Well, we don't know, uh, and initially, it probably was a great decision, According to Abraham's eyes and what he could see, maybe Lot didn't have a dad. Maybe Uncle Abe, you know, was his guy. And he's like, you know what? I got to take care of this lad. And so God must have forgotten him. And so I need to actually be the one to look out for him. Maybe, you know, a Lot actually was a great salesman and he talked himself into it. Said, I want to go on an adventure. You know, Abraham, let me come with you. Maybe that was the case. I don't know the reason, but in the eyes of either Lot or Abraham, they thought this was the right decision to make, even though God said something different. At the time, it seemed like a right decision. Yet you read the next four or five chapters, it was one of the worst decisions, not only for Abraham, but also for Lot. And their families, and there would be death, and there's destruction, and there's chaos, simply because Abram didn't listen to God fully. And aren't we the same way? There are areas of our lives, let's be honest, where we're like, yeah, God, submit, 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 submit. Not this one. I'm going to hold this one back. 
okay? This is what I think. This is what I believe. You can have all these other things. I know your word says something different. I said, but I really want to hold this one. And all of us face that at different points in our lives. And the challenge is, do we trust God with this as well? With the thing that that we like to hold on to and keep in control of. That's what's hard. Some of you right now are thinking, hey, Dan, can we go back to the movie series? That was a lot more fun. You know, Kanto, Spider-Man, remember the Titans. You need to understand this. God loves you more than you realize. Okay, imagine a two-year-old, right? So parents, you've had the twos and the threes, you know, that, that age. And they're playing with a shiny, sharp, dangerous object. And they're having the greatest time in the world. And you freak out. And you run over and you take that object away. What's their response? Thank you, mom. Thank you for protecting me. No, they flail themselves on the ground. They throw one of the biggest fits of their life because how dare you take away their fun? Their perspective is, this is great, this is fun. Your perspective is, you're gonna stab your eye out and I'm here to protect you because I actually want you to have both eyes the rest of your life. How much different are we as a two-year-old when it comes to God sometimes? God, I want to play with this object. God, I want this to be a part of my will. And God's like, trust me. I am doing this for your benefit. I'm doing this because I love you this much. And you may not see it at the time, but over time, you will understand that I am good. And I'm doing this for your benefit, for my will, or for the benefit of other people. You see, the Lord is our shepherd. I shall not want. So how are we supposed to submit? If that's, if that's the reason and that's what he's calling us to, how are we supposed to submit? Here's what you need to understand. Christian submission isn't a try harder experience. I've done that. It only got me so far. You know, I could only will myself to submit so much. I need a power that's greater than me and that power that's greater than me that's inside me is called the Holy Spirit, which is why we spent seven weeks. We have to tap into the Holy Spirit. We spent seven weeks talking about this. Romans 8, 7 says the mind... Our mind governed by the flesh, by my own will, by my own desire is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. When I'm relying on my own mind, on my own perspective, my own thoughts, on my own feelings, I will find myself in a life accident over time. But when I rely on the power of the spirit inside me, being guided by his word, Even though it's a hard decision to make, I will find life and peace. See, we're able to fully submit when being led by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the first way. That's how we do it. So if you've not yet received Christ, that's the first thing that he gives us is a deposit of his spirit inside of us. And we're going to give you that opportunity at the end of our time together. Secondly, we need each other by committing to deeper relationships with other submitted followers of Jesus Christ. You know this by now. Who you hang out with is who you're going to become. And so who are your friends? Who are those people? And you might say, I've got Christian friends. What makes them Christian? Are they submitting to God? And if you have other Christian friends who are also trying to submit to God, together you can hold each other accountable, especially to those areas, you know, that you're willingly able to say, I need your help to help me on this journey because I want to submit it to God, but I feel and I think differently and I want help. And so we need one another because let's be honest, when we're by ourselves, even with if it's us and one other person, we can talk ourselves into some pretty dumb stuff. Anybody else buy a timeshare? Right? 
oh, now I'm going to get some emails. So he was like, timeshares are the best. You know, like, no. You know, uh, well, maybe for you it was. But for most people, it's not a wise financial decision to be able to do. But somewhere along the line, you didn't have those other people, you know, in your life to be like, not a financial wise decision. And so you actually went into it thinking, this is going to be the best every year. We're going to spend so much less on our normal vacations. And, and all of a sudden you realize this is a waste. You know, but with that being said, you need to understand that if we can submit to God by being in deeper relationships with other people, I know in my own life, if I have a few other guys in my life that I can check some things you know, in on, we have some other, we have some groups, some smaller groups where you can be like, hey, this is my area that I'm having a hard time submitting to. And all of us have it, that they can help us on the journey to become more like Jesus. The, the other way that helps us to submit, and uh, this is something we do on a regular basis, worship, prayer, and posture truly helps us in submitting to God. So uh, one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament is Psalms 95 verse 6. It says, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over the flock under his care. Now worship, okay, worship is a lifestyle, but there's also in this verse, it's talking about an expression through song. See, we can sing songs or we can worship God through songs. And there's a difference between the two. See, when we come together, one of the reasons we take time to sing and we try to do it with energy and excitement is because of who God is, not who we are. And when we sing the words to God, you're actually placing yourself willingly underneath the Lordship of Jesus. And so we are called to worship God. And it's one of the ways that we sacrifice to him. And then this is where I know about half the guys in the room are like, well, Dan, I don't like to sing and I don't sing. Let me just lovingly remind you, it's not about you. It's about him. And when we do things that are uncomfortable, even when he calls us to do them, over time, what's uncomfortable becomes more comfortable, and we find ourselves in greater submission to God. It's the same thing when it comes to prayer. Every time you pray, not just for God to bless your life, but when you pray things like, God, I want your will to be done, you're actually submitting willingly to his lordship and leadership. God, I want your will when it comes to this relationship, your will when it comes to the future, your will when it comes to finances, your will when it comes to you fill in the blank. And when you start praying your will be done and not mine, God shows up and you see the power of how he reveals himself and then we take the steps accordingly. Posture is the last thing. There is something that happens when we kneel physically before God. When's the last time that you got on your knees before God. Maybe when is when you put a child down to bed, and that was that time. I'm talking about in the quietness of your own room, that when you physically get in a prayer posture of kneeling, there is something like they used to do in the kings of old, when the people would bow before the kings, they'd kneel before the kings, that you are bowing before the king of kings and lord of lords, thus helping in the submission posture that'll actually help you and I to submit on a regular basis. And here's the reality. We're either going to kneel before God physically on this side of eternity or the next. In Philippians chapter 2, it says, Therefore God elevated Jesus to the highest place of honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lastly, making a choice to follow God's word more than how you feel or what the culture says is an act of submission. And this is hard, and it's going to get harder. Will you choose if, again, this is only for those of you who are followers of Jesus, 
to say, God, your will and your way, even when the culture says something different. Because I can't tell you how many Christians and even pastors are saying, you know what, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's not about what you and I think. It's about what God thinks. And I'm going to trust him even if I feel differently. Can I submit my relationships to Jesus? Can I submit my sexuality to Jesus? Can I submit my gender to Jesus, my political ideologies to Jesus, my finances, my uncertain future, my fear, my pain, my addictions, my desire for whatever it may be, for control, my career, my time? Can I submit it to Jesus and say, Jesus, your will, your way, even if I feel or think differently, just like you, Jesus, who felt differently before you went to the cross and still chose not my will, but yours be done. So over the next three weeks, we're going to unpack some of these things. And I hope at least one of two of you will come back. You know, that'd be great to be able to see you. So as we close today, what part of your life are you now ready and willing to submit to God? Maybe this thing back here again. You're saying, God, I've been holding on to this. What is this for you? And you know what God has to say. Understand, please, more than anything else, God loves you so much that he actually wants the best, even when it doesn't feel like the best or you don't think it's the best at the time. Over time, you will see clearly that he had the best in mind all along. You trust him. Out of trust comes submission. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for today and the opportunity just to all be challenged, you know, by um, just you and your word. I pray, Father, that we would right now just submit whatever is on our hearts and minds. Father, you know we've talked about something that maybe was even a little bit of a trigger uh, for somebody in the room. And I just pray, Father, we would just wrestle through that by wrestling with you, your word, the lives of others. Help us to see or experience what we can't see. God, if there's anybody in this room who's not yet surrendered just to you, to submit to you as Lord and Savior, may this be the day, may this be the moment, may this be opportunity. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.